Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Going the Distance podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is my good friend, Elijah Spann. If you're a fan of gambling, hot takes, and just about anything that has to do with sports, then this is the right place for you. We are just a couple of college kids trying to make it in the rapidly growing sports media industry, so bear with us while we get the hang of things. We're not going to waste any of your time. We're going to jump right on into it. Uh, over the weekend, we had a few wild card games. And we're going to go ahead and jump into that. So with that being said, Elijah, what would you say is our biggest surprise and biggest letdown from Wildcard Weekend? Um, biggest letdown for me personally would have to be Bills not covering. Um, I feel like everyone – I was I was at Buffalo Wild Wings watching all the games, and I had Bills minus six and a half. And uh, I think I even heard a couple of other college kids – um, they were rooting for the Bills, and when the Bills didn't cover, I just heard them go, oh, sorry about your parlay to their other buddies. And for me, uh, I had about a five-leg parlay going into the weekend, and the only the only thing that didn't hit was Bills minus six and a half. I had Rams spread. I had uh, – Oof. Yeah, I know. I had Rams spread. I even picked the fucking Browns, dude. I just had it. I just knew. Yeah, I, see, personally, I thought the Steelers would have covered – I, I didn't play. I didn't make a play on that game, but I was looking at the line prior to the, the game starting, and I thought the Steelers were a lock. But personally, I could never cheer for the Steelers to cover. So, yeah, no, I just, I just knew, I just knew Steelers were phony, the worst eleven zero team of all time. I mean, honestly, I think if anything, not even their three losses in a row after going eleven and zero, but that playoff game definitely exposed them for being phonies, like eleven and zero phonies. That's, I mean, I didn't, that's probably another one of the biggest surprises too, is that uh, just the way that they got blown out in that first quarter, I mean, the first play of the game going right over Roethlisberger's head for the touchdown for Browns. Yeah, I mean, that's touchdown. that's what I have for my, my biggest surprise over the weekend was just the Browns' insane first quarter. And I mean, not even just the first quarter, the entire game was insane. Like, if you look at Big Ben's stat line, he had, I think it was 500 yards, four TDs, four interceptions. That's like, that'd be a Madden stat line for me on oh. franchise mode or something. Throwing four picks and four touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see that often. Well, And another surprise for me was uh, Taylor Heineke. Or Heineke? Heineken, however you want to say Heineke. it. Heineke. Yeah. I, I'm going to just call him Heineken. That's more fun. Yeah. But... He, I don't know, he's a crazy story. Undrafted out of Old Dominion, bounced around the NFL for a few years, played for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL, and now he's starting for the Washington football team. So he didn't like, even... That's crazy. He didn't even start if he played for the Battlehawks because that was uh, Te'amu. He was the, he yep, was the big he, guy out of the XFL. Yeah, he was second string on the Battlehawks, which is even crazier if you ask me that he made it here now. And he was... And he put up that... That's kind of... That's insane if you think about it. Cause Tom yeah, was, that, especially that play where he dove to the pylon. That was crazy. Because um, where's Ta'amu now? Isn't he practice squad for the Chiefs now? Yeah, I think I think he's in the league. I'm not sure exactly if he's, he's playing or he's not. He's in the league but... for sure. Let me, let me fact check that. Jordan Ta'amu. He's a yep, practice squad quarterback for the Chiefs. Hey, I mean, at least he made it to the league. He's getting that paycheck. Yeah. Um, but back to that. Uh, back to that Pittsburgh game. 
what the first snap it really reminded me of was the Super Bowl between Broncos and Seahawks. I think that was what yeah. 20, 2013. Um, first play of the game goes right over Peyton Manning's head. And that game turns into a blowout, and uh, I just got flashbacks as soon as that happened. I was like, "Wow, this game's over. This is just like the Super Bowl, you know, eight years ago." Well, I mean, yeah. Sometimes it just depends on how the game starts. It, I mean, it clearly was just clicking for the Browns. Everything was going their way in that first quarter, and if that first quarter didn't happen, the Steelers could have won. Like they they played well the rest of the game. Well, relatively well considering they were down twenty eight to zero. I, I, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I didn't watch the rest of it after that first quarter. Um, I had to use Stream East, and uh, it wasn't working too well for me in my room. So I just uh, turned on some Netflix and went to bed at, at that point after 28 to nothing. But Yeah, I mean, you didn't miss much. I, I saw, though, it was uh, Big Ben. I saw a lot of people on Twitter were saying that, how do you expect to win a game when Big Ben is throwing 68 passes? But at the same time, like, how are they going to win the game if he's not throwing 68 passes when they're down by four possessions? Uh, he's just he's just not the same after after that that Tommy John surgery that he got. Oh, for sure. He's just, no, for he's sure. He's too not. old. I mean, and he's been doing the same thing for the past five years, where he's like, oh, I don't know, see if if I'm going to retire or not, or let's see if how my body's feeling. Or like, tease. I think and, he's just. He keeps waiting for the one year. He keeps thinking that the team they have is the team that's making it to the Super Bowl. And, I mean, this year at the beginning of the year definitely looked promising. But I think also he's just one of the best game managers in the NFL. And he's always had a great offense around him. So I think if you take away some of those weapons, then I don't know if Big Ben would be big anymore. I think he just does that because he's an attention whore. He likes the he likes the spectacle around him. I yeah, mean, you know he likes to talk about. Oh, am I going to retire or not? Like he's always in the headlines at the I end mean, of the season. Think about it. what was that game? It could have been against the Browns a couple years ago where he was out and uh, Landry Jones, quarterback from OU, is starting, and he fucking sucked. That he was sucking it up that game. And he was supposed to be out, but he still dresses the backup. And he's like, "I'm coming in." And he had a hurt foot, and he came back, and he came back in for the comeback. He just loves the theater, being around him. I think is a lot of it. Yeah, I could totally see that. Well, speaking of theater, uh, there was something new on the broadcast over the NFL weekend. Uh, Nickelodeon showed the Bears and Saints game, which I thought personally was awesome that they showed it on Nickelodeon. I think it's great that they're trying to reach sick. out to kids. <laughs> Yeah, it is, dude. And <laughs> the slime sick. zone was fucking hype, man. Every time they went in the touchdown, all I could I was just hyped for the slime. Well, um, all the, I saw a tweet though. It said in in ten years, when the NFL finds out their eighteen to twenty five demographic was is down ten percent, it's because they showed them the Bears fucking offense to showcase the league. Oh <laughs> yeah, do some well, I mean. Yeah, what a what a boring game to introduce the kids to. Twenty one to nine, and I mean the Bears' last touchdown didn't come until the last what three seconds of the game. Yeah, it's like, hey Jimmy, you want to get into football? Well, here's Maserati Mitch. <laughs> yeah, oh Maserati Mitch. That's probably my favorite name. I've heard a bunch of nicknames for Mitch, but that's got to be the first. I saw uh, one of the Nickelodeon reporters whenever they were giving out the MVP award 
which somehow Mitch Trubisky won with a 50% vote. Trubisky? I think it was just everybody doing it for the memes. Mitch Trubisky? <laughs> yeah, he, he was saying, like, Mick, Mitch, Mick Trubisky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh... I mean, you know, credit to him, but... I have a lot of friends in the Chicago area. My roommate's from Chicago, and so I have to put up a lot with a lot of Bears fans, and they're... It's a love-hate relationship with Ten God. Let's just say that. Yeah, oh, understandable. I mean, if I was a Bears fan, I'd be furious with some of the things the organization or the way they handle things. Well, especially, too, because the two guys picked after him is fucking... You have uh, Watson and then Mahomes, so, like... Yeah, it, you you just it's, yeah. It's not like it's not like when that. the Bills picked EJ Manuel, you know, ten years ago, where it was the only quarterback taken and it was pick sixteen, and he fucking sucked. Well, everyone else in that draft sucked too. Like, no, you missed out on Hall it, of Famers, the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just like two of the best quarterbacks of our generation. Poor Bears fans, you get good defense and no offense, and that's just that's just what you get. Uh, and speaking of the the wild card game against the Saints, uh, let's talk about that Bears plus eleven and a half tragedy. So, I don't know. I know you didn't have a play on it, but I I decided to take it closed on my book at plus eleven. So I waited to live play it, and I took plus eleven and a half in the first quarter, because I mean, come on, plus eleven and a half—that's a big spread for a playoff game. Plus, I saw that the last eight wildcard underdogs have covered the spread. So, eight underdogs had covered in a row. And, of course, the Bears had to go and be the ones to fucking ruin the party. But last drive of the game, I was counting on Mitch Trubisky, Maserati Mitch. He throws the touchdown. I'm running all over the place. I'm hype. And then what do they do? They don't kick the extra point. Yeah, they follow Jimmy Graham right into the fucking tunnel. <laughs> that's what they Dude, do. I, and I lose by half a point. Oh, that's probably my worst bad beat of the year. Yeah, I mean, it happens to all of us, but that's pretty, it's pretty unfortunate. Wasn't it a, the same thing happened for Bill's Cardinals this year too, right? Where they just they took a knee at the extra point or some shit? Well, the, I'm not sure about one of their matchup, but the other one I know the like overtime or the last second touchdown. I forget who caught the the pass. I think it was DeAndre Hopkins caught yeah, the D-Hop. last second pass. Yeah. Well, cuz in overtime they don't they don't kick they don't kick extra points, but Yeah, no, they don't. But uh I think it was the the Hail Mary to D-Hop when they just chose to take a knee on the on the last play and that was if they kicked it, they would have covered. But since they didn't, since they took a knee, the Bills won. The Bills spread one. So if you took Arizona minus two and a half that weekend, it didn't. It didn't hit for you because they won by two. Yeah, see, so it was kind of shit the same. like that. Shit like that just really makes me question uh, whether or not some of the shit is rigged. You know? Oh, it's totally fucking rigged. There's no yeah, way. 100%. There's no way it isn't. This is my. This has been my first season gambling, and I've just seen too much shit where. I, I just it doesn't make sense where it wouldn't be rigged. It would not be rigged. You know what I mean? Like uh even college football. Did you ever see what happened with uh Purdue and Minnesota this year? No. It was about halfway through the season, but Purdue's favored and they had a game winning touchdown called back by OPI. But the OPI call was uh 
the tight end literally didn't touch the defender. Like he didn't even, and, and they called it in the next play. Is, oh, I think I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Next play of the game was a game losing interception. Oh, and most yeah, of the, I couldn't imagine most of that. the public's money was on Purdue. So like, was that the one that DraftKings refunded the public their, their bet? Yeah, they, they, uh, a lot of books came out and were like, yeah, we're giving you back because that's fucked. But Vegas kept their money because Vegas, Vegas always gets their dime. Yeah, Vegas always gets their, their – there's a reason people say the house always wins. Yeah. But. if Honestly, if you – for a betting strategy to use is just fade the public 100% of the time, you're going to be up. Yeah, I'm, I've heard of that too. I, I definitely do it sometimes, but not every time because – there are times where, say, maybe 60% of the public is on one side of the line, and those are usually the more 50-50 kind of games. But if you, you if you see 95% of people taking one line, then that's kind of the sign to go with the other side, no matter what you think is going to happen. Yeah, for, absolutely. I think the only, only Bama is the ones that cover spreads like that. Yeah, for sure. Which speaking so kind of, of talking about, yeah, speaking of Bama, that's what I was just about to say. They uh, recently just beat Ohio State in the championship game for Nick Saban's sixth ring at Alabama and seventh overall, which is just absurd. Yeah. Um, I mean, what else, what else can you say about Nick Saban and Bama that hasn't already been said? I mean, it's just a fucking juggernaut. I mean... I. I think it's hilarious to see him in post-game interviews and things like that because especially after the SEC championship, he was furious. Like he was not a happy camper and he was getting mad at the reporters and being snarky with his responses and I'm like, "Dude, you just won the fucking SEC. Calm down. Like be happy. You guys are going to the playoffs." Well, I mean, that's what makes him so great at the same time though. Bill Belichick does the same shit. I mean, Yeah. Yeah, very all pissed off, and then when they finally win it, they get half a smile on the call of the day. But I don't know. That's just I think uh, I think college football playoff has made it kind of easier for these big schools to go ahead and win championships because it's made yeah, them go sure. in to all these just gigantic schools. Like they all go into it's either it's always the same old faces. It's it's, it's always you know the usual suspects: Ohio State. Clemson, OU, and Bama. Like those are three of those four are going to be in it every single year, without fail. Yeah, oh for sure. It's the the college football playoff as a whole has basically become Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and who's the fourth team? That's yeah. that's basically what it's become. And half the time it's OU because we have a, they have a free ticket in by riding the just riding the Big Twelve and dominating the Big Twelve every year. Yeah. Yeah, OU, I mean, OU is basically the Alabama of the Big 12, at least in the last decade. They've they've won, I think, six Big 12 titles in a row now. Yeah. Which is just insane. Lincoln Riley has it figured out. But, I mean, even take Ohio State, for example. I mean, they fucking switched coaches. And they still, they didn't miss a beat. I mean, what that's... I think, I think they hit. They just struck gold on Ryan Day. I think he's a great coach. I mean, there's no doubt, I mean, he's a good coach. But he didn't even have like a growing year or growing pains or like what that tells me is that I mean also in his first year he inherited Justin Fields right Justin Fields just came to him from Georgia but all it's told me is that it's just all the the top prospects just flood to those 
four schools. Yeah, I, I saw recently something about blue chip recruiting. And if you don't know what blue chip is, blue chip recruiting is four and five star recruits are considered blue chip, like best of the best. And I think it was 85% of blue chip recruits go to the same 15 schools or something like that. So that, don't, don't quote me on that statistic, but it's, a, it's close. Like the, a large percentage of blue chip recruits go to the same universities and especially Alabama. Bama is one of them. I mean, they're just a recruiting factory at this point. Yeah, I think uh, I've always been against expanding the playoff because I've always thought that college football is supposed to be about dominance, and um, you can get into the playoff if you dominate and win, only have one loss and stuff like that. But I honestly think at this point, the how much it's just those same teams, you have to expand it to make the make college football overall just a little bit more competitive. Cause it's starting to, yeah, it, I, it's almost like, uh, like soccer over in Europe. Like you have, you know, PSG and France just dominating every year and fucking Barcelona and Real Madrid just going at it just cause they have the most money. It's just kind of shit like that. And this is America. We don't, <laughs> we don't do that. Blame well, I mean, I, 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 I disagree pretty strongly with, uh, how you said you like the 14 playoff and you don't want to expand. No, I think that we should now. I've always been against it in the past, but I think that... Okay, until now? Yeah. After At this point, seeing the same old usual suspects every fucking year, like, we got to yeah. get something new. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, personally, I would have an eight-team playoff. You get five teams, five conference champions. Those are your automatic qualifiers from the Power Five. And then you get one at-large bid from the group of five like cincinnati this year or coastal carolina but cincinnati definitely deserved it over them but and then also then you have two spots left to fight over and that you know quenches the playoff committee's boner for getting another sec team in there yeah or uh getting what's what's the one team that they always love on that always gets like a top six spot no matter how fucking good they do what is it? Uh, USC is one of those teams too that is yeah. Notre Dame is very overrated. USC, UT, yeah, that can be their excuse for sticking in a seven and five UT, UT team in finally. Yeah, I mean exactly. <laughs> they it seems like instead of valuing actual talent of the football team, they value alumni support and money and stuff like that. On like who's gonna what what matchup will make the biggest spectacle. Well, that's why Ohio State got into TCU in the first ever college football playoff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you go back to 2014, TCU, was, they only had one loss, which was against a top-five opponent on the road to a last-second field goal. They win their last game 55-3. to And they were already and the committee ranked committee boots three. them out. Yeah, they were already yeah. ranked three, and they got booted out for Ohio State. So Yeah, I mean, it's... That will always be the biggest blip, in my opinion, on the playoff committee. It's just that is their most blatant screw-up that they just kicked us out. Well, and we go to TCU, so pisses us well, off. Yeah, I mean, we're a little biased, but, you know, yeah, if you guys don't know, we are both students at TCU, so we may have a little bias in that situation, but it's still bullshit nonetheless. Yeah, life lifelong TCU fan or one good year where we're actually in the Big 12, so... We should have done something with it, but 
hey, Max Duggan's the future. So yeah, we we got we got it going here now. But still, back onto that national title game. One thing that really struck with me or stuck with me in the post game was the talk of Mac Jones because he's already a top five quarterback heading into the draft. He's projected to be a top ten pick potentially. And do you think he really is a first round talent, or is he just a product of all the talented players around him? Because I mean, he has Najee Harris, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle. It's insane. I mean, he's got to be a first-round pick, right? I mean, you can't, yeah, it's, you can't it's just hard throw, not to. You can't just throw for 450 yards in the championship game and not yeah, be like a first-round pick. Yeah, it's hard not pick. to. I mean, these day and age. I mean, was Tua – I mean, did when, when Tua was coming out, did you say Tua was a product of Alabama? No, you said Tua was, was a, a great quarterback prospect besides the fact that he would get hurt too much. But with Mac, That's true. you kind of you, – they're kind of they're kind of saying that, but I think I think you got to take him in the first round. I mean, you're not top ten. I wouldn't take him in top ten because there's so much there's so much more out there right now. But I mean, if you're the Pats at fifteen, I'd snag him. Yeah, speaking of the Pats at fifteen, there's been a lot of uh, well, not a lot, but a little bit of conspiracy talking about trevor lawrence dropping all the way to 15 for the pats yeah it's not happening there's no way Jack, he's going to number one i don't know man when, bill belichick when he, they're he's saying, a schemer when they're saying when they're comparing like uh, best quarterback prospect prospect since andrew luck you're going number one like that's that's I mean, just what's gonna happen generally speaking trevor lawrence is the best prospect i've probably seen in my lifetime other than Joe Burrow last year. I mean, so are you just saying that you're a Bengals fan, or you you think that Joe Burrow is actually a better prospect? It, it's tough call. I, I mean, I am a Bengals fan, yes, but when it comes to the Bengals, I, I like to think I'm as impartial as can be because we're just garbage. We're terrible. So I think we really did strike – like, we struck gold with Burrow well, as long as he comes back. Burrow only put up that one good year on tape. I mean, before that, he was fringe prospect. I mean, he didn't he didn't wow us in high school. Like Lawrence came out, he was the number two overall rated prospect coming out of high school. He overtook the the main guy at Clemson. What was his name? He transferred. Oh, Kelly? I know what you're talking about. He transferred to Missouri. Yeah, Brian Kelly. Yeah, or Kelly Bryant. What? Whatever. That's what it is, Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. Yeah, yeah he took over over him, and he was the the heralded starter after Deshaun left. I mean, Kelly Bryant took him to, to the college football playoff. And then as a, as a true freshman, he took his job. And then, I mean, yeah, he really did. And, and, uh, it took the reins from there and put up three years of good tape. So yeah, I mean, Burrow just had, that I will one agree with you. Crazy season. I will agree with you in that sense that, um, Trevor Lawrence is more of a proven prospect compared to Burrow. But at the same time, that was Burrow's first year as a collegiate starter, his first opportunity. Well, didn't he start at LSU the season before? Oh, well, okay, yeah. I, I meant second. in general at LSU. Yeah, because he transferred from Ohio State, I believe it was. Yeah. That was like and his, he was the backup there. That was his second year starting, though. At least. Yeah, you're right. It was his second year. My bad. It was his second, but... I mean, still. I mean, like it was the best. Years, it was the, uh, probably the best college football season I've ever seen out of anybody. 
but yeah, like a independent season. I mean, he got picked number one, so it's not like he was a dog shit prospect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to go wrong whenever you're taking the Heisman winner number one. I mean, you never know though. There's definitely some situations like Ryan Leaf that just go god awful. Or more recent example, uh, Johnny Manziel. Heisman oh yeah, winner. well yeah, he wasn't number one overall at least. But he though. was he was a Heisman winner that just didn't do much. Party yeah, too hard. Yeah, and... very true. Well, uh, so back kind of to we were talking about LSU and Joe Burrow. So would you think that the 2019 LSU team is better than the 2020 Alabama team? Because if you think about it, this Bama team this year could be the greatest college football team of all time but they could also be the second greatest team in the last two years, which is just weird. No. Or I think that the LSU 2019 team is phenomenally better than the 2020 Alabama team. I don't know. That's hard to say, though, because this offense was just like off the charts. I don't think we've ever seen an Alabama offense like this. Yeah, but who did they beat? Like, what, 7-0 uh, dog water Ohio State team, and then I mean, yeah, they were gonna they were gonna clobber everybody who they played in the championship. It, it wasn't really fair this year. Yeah, but even in the terms of the SEC, I feel like the SEC in general had a down year. LSU sucked. They had a rebuilding year. Auburn is fucking dog shit. Um, yeah, Auburn was god awful this year. They beat Texas A and M early season before they started hitting their stride, and Kellen Mond started to finally figure it out. After his eighth year of starting, um, I mean, they didn't beat anybody. Yeah, he looked decent. I, I will say, speaking of Kellen Mond, Mond looked decent this year for a and He got better. But I will I will agree, though, they didn't beat any great teams. But if you look at the teams they did beat, like A&M, for example, A&M finishes the number five team. They beat them by 30 points. They dominated them. Yeah, but that was early in the season. I feel like they didn't figured out their stride yet i got a buddy who goes to a&m and he's probably watched every single a&m football game the past 15 years and he told me that when when they got beat by alabama that was after that game is when they finally started to figure it out and they kind of woke up that was still like they didn't because a&m is not one of those programs like bama where they can just jump out out of the gate and fuck it up right away like they need they need their cupcakes yeah. to, you know, get their reps in and shit. Yeah. They didn't even got their reps in. Yeah, they're Bama not a – Came in. They're definitely not a perennial powerhouse like Bama is. So they weren't in midseason form. Bama starts out the season in, in, in playoff form because that's just Bama. They do that every year. Yeah, but see, that's that's kind of the thing is are you holding are you holding back on this year's Bama team being that great just because it's Bama and they're good every year? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I guess, but at the same time, I still think that they didn't, they didn't beat another great team to where I would put them as one of the greats. Like, yeah, they dominated this year, but it's kind of a weird season for them to dominate because of COVID and all the bullshit that's happened with the college football playoff season. For sure. Yeah, for sure. It is a weird season overall, but. I think, I don't know, it's just hard to say because if you look at either team, the LSU team was stacked too. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, like, that's a call triple Hall of Fame lineup, all of them. Like, it's crazy that they've been back-to-back years that good. And it's also crazy that LSU 
went from being arguably the best team ever to what did they finish like four and six yeah they were not very good this year they were not it was it was like flashbacks of danny etling lsu no they finished they finished five and five not four and six five and five but still i mean that's come on for lsu standards it's not great no it's terrible but that's why i'm saying like that's not i can't put 2020 bama with 2019 lsu because 2019 bama was still bama when 2019 lsu beat them but 2020 bama beat dog shit 2020 lsu you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I see what they, you mean. They had a, the, I mean, they they were the best team this in college football this year, and that's without a doubt. I mean, Clemson got embarrassed, and they got. I mean, they looked like frauds when they played, but I don't. Yeah, know. that was really shocking for me. I thought Clemson was going to be the one to come out and dominate Ohio State, but it was the opposite. Yeah, I thought Clemson minus seven was the lock of the century. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I thought about it, but I, I ended up waiting just because a lot of, like, quote-unquote industry experts were taking Ohio State. So I, I kind of held off just because I was a little nervous. And I'm glad I did because, damn. Yeah, I I felt like I was lied to. Like, <laughs> like I just felt like... Well, I mean, you know, there's I a felt, reason that Vegas has them as favorites. Like, I felt Dabo Sweeney was just like, hey, yeah, guess what? Fuck you. At the end of the yeah, season. Dude, honestly, you should just Venmo request Dabo. Yeah, that's probably the only move I have left at this point. Like, I had a <laughs> I had a buddy text me, and he was like, any locks for this weekend? I was like, Clemson's minus seven, duh. And he texted me, like, halfway through the game. He's like, dude, what the fuck? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm just as, sh- yeah, I'm that's, just as shocked that's... as you are right now. <laughs> it's one of the worst feelings, too, whenever you give, like, your buddy or something a lock, or you tell him to, to take this line or this is the lock of the century, and then it's just a complete whiff. But yeah. on the other end, it's the best feeling ever when you tell your buddy, hey, let's hit this line, and then you both make money and you both profit. So Yeah, I think anytime you've texted me and told me it's lock of the century, it, it hits when I take it. Because when you said, and it's always on some bullshit. I never, I never take your locks when it's like something obvious. I've always taken it on like some bullshit college basketball game. Or like a, a first quarter NBA bet. I'll, oh man, I'll, uh, that I'll, that first quarter NBA bet recently was just one of the most electric bets I've ever had in my life. I had uh, Toronto Raptors against the Knicks. I think it was the fifth game of the season, and the Raptors were one and three or one and four at that point. And I was like, "Come on, they're playing the Knicks. The Knicks have a couple starters out. They're gonna start slow. There's no way." And Toronto's winning that first quarter almost the whole time. And with 30 seconds left, they're only up by one. And then Kyle Lowry just pulls up from the fucking logo and drains it in R.J. Barrett's face. And so they cover by they're covering the spread of minus three by one. And it was just crazy. I, didn't even I had like five units on it. So, yeah. Would you have 100 to get you out of the hole? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those are always Because I, I do. Yeah, I moved to uh, $20 units, so I know $20 units isn't that great, but uh, we, we do not condone unit shaming here. Yeah, well, when you're in college and you don't fade your bookie like every other college student, you have to keep your units small. Yeah, exactly. I know uh, I know too many people that fade books as a hobby, and uh, so 
fifteen dollars. I keep yeah, the fifteen dollar units and keep the same bookie. So yeah. So back to how we were kind of talking about Bama. That made me think about just their dynasty in general, how they've been so dominant, at least, especially in the last decade. And it makes me think, uh, compared to all the dynasties across all the sports, in our generation at least, we have the Golden State Warriors, the New England Patriots, Alabama college football, and then UConn women's basketball. So which of those four would you say is your most hated dynasty and which would you say is your favorite? Uh, most hated would be Golden State. For sure, I agree. Golden State. Because they turned in from, like, lovable, like, underdogs and come out. Steve Kerr had the really great team after they got rid of uh, Mark Jackson, was it, right? Is that who was their head coach before Steve Kerr? I think so, yeah. But, yeah, you had Steph Curry, who's just probably the most likable person on planet earth and clay thompson the, the splash brothers and you got draymond green talking shit and they go back to back they go back to back once right and then they lose after winning 73 games and then they get kd and fuck kd i yeah fuck kd fuck kd dude i f- will say it till my grave yeah fuck kd Fuck KD and all of his burner Twitter accounts. Oh, yeah. There's so many reasons to dislike KD. Even even to this day when he's on the Nets. Fuck KD. And so that's probably why yeah. he's my most hated. Because he literally... It's the best player in the NBA at the time. Him and LeBron are one and two at that point. And For sure. He gets blown out after losing... After blowing a three to one lead. What he does is he leaves in the city that drafted him and that loves him and that basically made the franchise for Oklahoma City because he was there when it moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City and then he goes to Golden State fuck KD and I yeah exactly that's the entire reason if I was an Oklahoma City fan I would have burnt his jersey also Bay Area fans are like low-key like the most annoying fans in all of sports oh yeah I I can agree with that I mean it depends though NFL is a little bit different you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles fans, Steelers fans, they get pretty rowdy. I don't know. Well, for those of you that don't know, at TCU, it's a pretty uh, pretty geographically diverse school. So we got kids from all over. We got kids from New England and a lot of SoCal kids, a lot of Bay Area kids, a lot of Chicago kids. So we get all the most – all different kinds of sports fans. And Bay Area fans are one of the, one of the sleeper picks for most annoying yeah, different breed. I I agree. But that would definitely be my least favorite. And favorite, I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but my favorite's the Pats. Really? Yeah. I mean, think about it. it. They did it the right way. Like they've done it with the salary cap. They've done it with. You know all the all the reasons that make the NFL more competitive and more balanced. They've done it against that, and I think at that point you just have to respect greatness. Like there's no, che- I mean, there's no cheat. Like Bama, like with Bama in college, you have your, uh, you can just recruit and you say, hey, if you come with us, you'll get a ring. Like that's so easy to recruit for that. Like well, with Pats, you have to sign guys the contract. 
uh, people in the NFL, they want their money. And it's not like in the NFL, there's no ring cha- veteran ring chasers like there is in the NBA as much. It doesn't work out. like That's true. It's a different game. It, the free agency is a much different game. Yeah. And so the way that they've built championship team after championship team like that, um, I, I, I respect it the most. I really do. Even though they are consistently the most hated team in all sports. I, I agree in the sense that I respect it, but because I am not a typical Patriots hater, like the majority of the public, it seems like, is. I think Bill Belichick is greatest NFL coach of all time, and I also think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. So I do, as much as I respect it, I think it's ironic that you said they did it the right way, considering there's so much talk and just stuff around all the deflate gate oh. and cheating incidences. I mean, I'm not saying it happened, you know. Even if but... it did happen, that game was what? A 40-point fucking blowout? Like, suck my dick, dude. There's no way that that, that was the deciding factor in the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think people made way, way too big a deal of that stuff. But I, I say if I had to go with my least favorite dynasty, I would agree with you and say the Warriors just because I think KD – he took what LeBron did leaving Cleveland for South Beat. He took it to a whole new level because LeBron didn't join a team that was already dominating. Like, they, sure, they were a great team. They had Dwayne Wade. They had made the championship in 2006. They were a solid playoff team. But it, he didn't join the greatest regular season record of all time with literally four all-star starters. It's just it, it was something different that – it was so blatant that it was ring chasing. You know, like you said that earlier, ring chasing is a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bitch move. It's the only other way to put it. It really is. Um, All right. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, my bad. All right, well, moving on then to, uh, since we're already on the NBA, we might as well just go ahead and talk about some early season shenanigans and what's been happening. So my biggest take right now on the NBA is that the Nets, they came into the year with all these expectations. KD's on the Nets, Kyrie, they're both healthy. They're finally playing. But they started out strong. They looked great in their first two games. But now they're sitting at a 5-6 and six record, and they're 10th in the East. So I don't know. I know there's been a lot of injuries. Kyrie's been out, but... I don't know if the Nets are going to be as good as people really thought they would be. Well, something weird is going on with Kyrie right now. Um, oh, there's a lot of weird stuff with Kyrie. We don't even know why he's out. Like even, even Stephen A. I think Stephen A. said something today, like chirping Kyrie about it of why would they even ask. So like the, his team doesn't even know. Like Steve Nash, head coach of the Nets, doesn't even know. Um, so, but that's just what you get when you deal with Kyrie that guy's a fucking nut yeah he's I mean I, I love him as a player but he's kind of he's got some wild opinions off the court you know talking about his flat earth conspiracy theories and stuff like that dude not even that or just uh the way that he talks about like leadership and stuff when he was on the Celtics all that bullshit that he was spewing I remember I just know that Boston fans hate him now so, well yeah because he essentially went to Boston to have his own team he did have his own team it was his team and then he he couldn't do anything with it 
And the fact that he left to Brooklyn, to me, showed me that he can't do it on his own. That he needs another superstar with him. Yeah, and his ego's hurt because the only championship he got was with Big Daddy LeBron, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, to, to Kyrie's credit, I'm not trying to discredit Kyrie at all. I think he's a phenomenal player, but that that championship with Cleveland was greatly due to his performance. Oh, yeah, for sure, but I mean... I think that he gets really upset when, you know, they bring up the fact that he did it with LeBron, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. It seems like their relationship after he left Cleveland kind of fell apart. And LeBron altogether. doesn't even know why. Like, LeBron said multiple times, he's like, I, I don't know why this guy, like, why he says this shit. Like, he throws shade on LeBron all the time. He's like, why? Like, he, he just, LeBron just doesn't get it. But. It, dude, it, Kyrie's a weirdo, man. Yeah, he's a. He's he's kind of a weirdo, but I love to watch him play. I would say, but back on the NBA season, I think uh, I think the biggest enigma so far has been the Mavs. I really do. I'm a I'm a big Mavs fan, but we've had such a weird year so far. Luca came in. Yeah, I. Th- it is hard to pin the Mavericks right now because coming into the year, I think they were projected fourth or fifth, and like so, a playoff team. But without Chris Stapps right now, it's really hard to to, to get their identity, especially because Luka's been out for a couple games. Well, first we had uh, – we started out, we lost to the Suns. Then we got blown out by the Lakers. And then we put on the biggest big dick showcase I've ever seen in my life by beating down the Clippers by 51 points. Yeah, 50-point first-half margin. That's fucking insane. Yeah. So, and then after that, we just continue back to losing every other game. But we're on a three-game win streak right now. But yesterday's game against the Pelicans got postponed. But we'll see once Kristaps comes back if we can figure it out. But we've been we've been a really interesting team to, to watch so far because Luka hasn't been what's been promised so far just because he showed up fat. And, uh, he did. He did come looking a little chonky not, to work out. Too much Fortnite, dude. Too much Fortnite. Yeah, he's been streaming, man's man. A, man's a gamer. I'll give him that. He's he's a, a he's for his people, man. He does what the people want. Yeah. Well. But now the people want him to get him in shape. <laughs> I like the athletes do that though. A bunch of athletes that do streams. I think that's cool. Yeah, I do too. It's a great. I think it's a great way to interact with fans and everything like that. And even some athletes do podcasts like we're doing right now. Yeah, J.J. Redick is one of those guys that have a really great basketball podcast. Yeah, J.J. Redick is one of those guys, too, that has been in the league for so long that his basketball IQ is just off the charts. I mean, like, and he's still playing for the Pels right now, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. and so listening to somebody of that like status, I guess I could say, is always just fascinating because they know the game in and out it's kind of like listening to tony romo as a cbs broadcaster he is phenomenal like i personally i am against maybe this is my bias because i'm a student studying sports broadcasting but i hate when athletes are gifted positions in the broadcast booth like if you look at jason witten he was terrible yeah he, he didn't know what he was doing he's bad or he, even he a couldn't, yeah. better example of Players in the broadcast booth. This is a guy that replaced Witten, Booger McFarland. 
Booger McFarlane. Oh my god. Booger McFarlane was the worst fucking announcer of all time. Like worse than Phil Sims. Booger McFarland essentially just plays I spy whenever he's in the broadcast booth. He'll just say the most blatantly obvious things. He'll be like, okay, well, the team is on first and 10, which means they have three more downs left to get the 10 yards or else they're going to have to punt. But yeah, well, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, that's... Like, I'm watching football. I understand that. It's not even an exaggeration. That's, like, I'm pretty sure I've heard him say that before. Or the time that the... Yeah, like, word for word probably. The time that the Saints played and he wouldn't stop calling Taysom Hill the Joker. It's like... He said, oh, yeah, all NFL teams call a guy like this a joker. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm pretty sure no one fucking says that shit. Yeah, I never <laughs> heard of that in my life. That was actually my first time ever hearing that. Uh, he, he was, he was god-awful. But, I mean, back to Romo. Romo. Romo calls plays before he even sees it happen, so. Yeah, and Romo's a great He's just a treat to watch. Kind of <laughs> back to that uh, game that was broadcast on Nickelodeon. I didn't watch it. Um, I just saw highlights on social media and stuff, but one of my buddies, my roommate was watching at one of our buddies houses and he was giving me updates and he was, he's a bears, a huge bears fan. So he's fucking pissed off that he had to watch like all these Nickelodeon people just disgrace (laughs) the game of football. The announcers disgrace the game of football in a way. And, uh, like, cause they had one chick on there who didn't even know, like, I don't think she's ever watched a game of football before is what he told me. And I just responded with, well, uh, Romo's calling a hell of a game. So I'm having fun. I'm having fun over here. Yeah. I, I chose to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast just because I wanted to see like what it would be like. And at times it definitely was cringy because they would reference stuff. They literally would reference, Oh, that play reminded me of when, you make a viral TikTok and then it gets deleted. Like, what the fuck? Like, why is that a comparison for football? Yeah, I, I wanted to watch it, but uh, I just couldn't get it for some reason at my house. So I just settled for, for CBS, normal CBS broadcast. But, yeah, I think uh, one of the announcers did a Cardi B impression at one point. Oh, oh yeah, I heard I, I heard that. He, he said the infamous Okur. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's bad. Could you imagine, like, how those people got gifted, and how many people like us that would just give their right arm to call it an NFL wild card game? You know, yeah, dude. Oh. And they just get gifted to it just because they work for Nick. Ah, man. Makes you. Uh... Well, there was also some stuff too, like not even just on the, like the actual play by play broadcasters, but on the broadcast itself on. Sorry, I can't talk. The broadcast itself, I thought it was interesting when they had a penalty happen. They would have young Sheldon from that one TV show. He would pop up in the corner and just explain it in his cute little nerdy voice. Like, a holding penalty is when the opposite team grabs the defense. Like, you know, stuff like that. Kind of explaining the rules of football in, like, a kid-friendly way. So, it was definitely weird to watch. But I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the NFL is just trying to get marketing for, you know, the that age group. And they're trying to get them hooked on football in the future. So, I mean, genius play. I mean, yeah, you don't see sure. the MLB doing anything like that to get more kids involved in the MLB. I mean, that's a dying game, honestly. Yeah, if you look at the ticket sales and everything for the MLB, it definitely is dying. 
It's unfortunate. But we kind of we kind of got a little off topic. We went from the the Nets to Kyrie to Tony Romo to back to the slime zone. Yeah. Well, this first episode, we still don't know what we're doing yet. Just bear with us. We're going to get better. We promise. Yeah we're, yeah, we're figuring it out. I mean, even Joe Rogan said that he sucked on his first podcast. So if you're enjoying yeah, this, well, then, you know, then just get ready because better things are going to come. For sure. And uh, Joe Rogan, if you're listening, we're next. Yeah, put us on. <laughs> put us on, Joey boy. <laughs> All right, so back back to the NBA. Uh, the Nets have been one of the hotter teams to talk about, but also the Lakers, as always, you know, with LeBron, they're definitely going to be talked about. But I think, personally, I think they're going to win again. They're going to win the championship this year. They got even better than they were last year in the offseason. LeBron just doesn't he, – he doesn't slow down. There's no decline for LeBron yet. And Yeah, he's in, what, year 18 or 19 now? I mean, he's, what, 30, 36, 37? Yeah, he's he's insane. And it's just crazy to me that they added in the offseason their additions were like biggest additions at least were Montrez Harrell, Wesley Matthews, and then I think their best add was Dennis Schroeder. Cuz Dennis Schroeder is a phenomenal point guard. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder. I think ball. he's Yeah, I think he's the most underrated point guard in the NBA. If not Damian Lillard. I know Damian Lillard gets well, some attention. Dame's got but not enough. Dame's not underrated though. I think Dame just plays for a smaller market and he also just doesn't have the team around him. But we all know Dame can ball. Anyone that plays two K anyone who plays two K knows that Dame's the shit. Uh, yeah. But I mean or if you listen to his SoundCloud. Or, yeah, or if you listen to his SoundCloud, Dame Dalla. <laughs> he can Dame Dalla. He can spit bars. But um Yeah, Dennis Schroeder can play Kid from Germany, like, what? Um, got drafted by the Hawks. Then he got traded to OKC. Played a good role. At OKC. He did well at OKC. Yeah, yeah he, he did, did well, well at OKC. He was a big. He played good for um, their playoff push last year. But uh, he's starting for the Lakers now. Like, I mean, they, I mean they've only gotten better, which is crazy to think because they were ridiculous last year. They won the championship easily. So. Yeah, and I think it's also cool to see them get better without adding a max contract superstar, which has yeah. been like the trend in the NBA. They just added a couple veterans and a role player. Yeah, which it helped them out phenomenally. That's really interesting. I I haven't even heard it got. It's a really interesting way to look at it because usually when shit like that happens, they just add another. You know, the Warriors get KD or you know. Kawhi got Paul George to go to L.A. for the Clippers. But, yeah, they, they got better by adding quality bench players. They added the sixth man of the year, right, Montrez Harrell? Mm-hmm. Sixth man yep. of the year. Wes Matthews is a great veteran. He played uh, one-time Mav, by the way. Um, one-time Mav. One-time yeah. Mav. Very forgettable Mav stint. Um, and, I mean, like you said, uh, Dennis Schroeder. And just t- talking about LeBron, it's almost hard not to talk about the MVP race. And right now, Luka is the projected favorite. I think his odds are at plus 400 to win. But, I mean, LeBron is one of those guys that's in the MVP conversation every single season, regardless of his record, like his team's record even. Like, when he didn't make the playoffs with the Lakers, he was still top five MVP candidate. So, this year, do you think LeBron has a shot? Or who do you think is going to win MVP? 
Um, I think it's going to be Luca because it they've kind of shown that the MVP voters have kind of fallen out of love with LeBron. They just kind of expect this type of production out of them. Yeah, which is bullshit if you ask me. Yeah, it, I mean, it is what it is. The, they just love storylines, and they love giving it to first-timers. But, I mean, you see this across all sports. Is, I mean, same reason why Patrick Mahomes is going to win it this year is because he got it two years ago, you know. Um, yeah. It's they're just He's just not getting that respect that he deserves with MVP voters. But it's also, too, like, Luka, I mean, if he improves upon last season and, you know, finally gets in shape this season like he'll put up mvp worthy numbers and if he gets us into the playoffs of the top three spot he'll probably get it but uh i mean but if not i don't even think they give it to lebron i think they give it to his teammate yeah i could i could see anthony davis he's like in the sports books right now i think anthony davis is at plus 700 he's actually more favored to win than lebron yeah he's never won I think it lebron's at plus 1200 I could see them giving it to AD before they give it to LeBron. I mean, how many times has this guy won it already? What, four or five times? Four. Four? Yeah, four. Yeah. Nah, they just love storylines. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you said that too, that they kind of discredit him just because he's expected to be this good. And, like, because if you really look at it, LeBron has has a case to win the MVP every single season he plays. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah, it's it's hard to differentiate when you can give it to him and when it's like, okay, well, this is just greatness. But personally, my MVP pick is kind of a long shot. He's been balling out in the first few games, but I got Nikola Jokic at plus 1,400. If he takes the Nuggets to a high seed in the playoffs and he keeps averaging nearly 30 points a game, double-digit rebounds, I mean – he he's just putting up numbers consistently. He's not the flashiest guy to watch, but he's still fun to see. Like Jokic can only, only can only get only get it if they can concede. I don't think they're yeah. getting one seed, then but I, other than that, right. you might other be than right, that, I don't think Jokic can get it. It's got to be one seed or bust yeah. for him to make an MVP case like that. They they just don't. The media. I don't just know. I'm love just them. going out on a limb. You're right. The media is not huge on but him, I mean, but I, I hope maybe this year is his year. He plants himself as the best big it's man. It's pretty fucked how it is, though, because I mean, if Zion gets a six seed, he'll probably win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I bet Zion could be in the MVP race just because his name is Zion Williamson. Uh, but that's a topic but, for another day. Yeah, some other superlatives. Uh, other superlatives other than MVP. Got Defensive Player of the Year and Rookie of the Year. For me personally, I think Defensive Player of the Year is going to be Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. And yeah, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I might be a little biased, but Adebayo got robbed last year from DPOI. Like Antetokounmpo, yeah, sure, he's a great defender, but I don't know. Adebayo had it last year, in my opinion. I mean, it could. It could go to him or it could go to the usual suspect like Rudy Gobert or something. They just love... For a for an award like that, they love to give it to repeat customers just because. That's true. It just, yeah, it generates more true, buzz. Especially like you said, Rudy Gobert. It just generates more yeah. buzz and gets more viewership. So, that's one of the less flashy uh, um, awards to give out. Probably the least flashy, I would say. 
For sure. And then the rookie of the year is the, exactly the opposite. It's one of the most like well-known awards or sought after. So I might have I might be an evil genius on this one. Um I threw a $10 bet on Desmond Bain at plus 9,000 to win rookie of the year just cuz TCU go frogs. First first round is he the first round pick ever out of TCU or since like what 30 years or something like that? No, I think it's since 19 sometime in the 1980s was our TCU's last yeah, first round so, pick. Yeah, so I mean, but yeah, for those that don't know, Desmond Bain was a four-year starter at TCU, got drafted to uh, the Celtics in the first round, and the pick got traded to the Grizzlies. Yeah, so I felt like I had to just throw 10 on there just because, go Frogs, and kids have been balling. If you look at the way he's playing right now, that could have been the best pick you've made all season. Like, Yeah, 900 bucks would be, that would be pretty sweet. I could fuck with that. Yeah, I mean, he's balling. He set a rookie record for it was most games to open a career with multiple three-pointers. And I mean, made. if you think about it, too, that when there's years where there's no unheralded uh, number one overall pick or just, you know, consistent uh, rookie of the year from the get-go like there is this year, it could be somebody out of the blue. Like, remember when Michael Carter-Williams won it with the Sixers? Like, what? Yeah. A couple years ago, like... I just I just saw it as another draft class like that, and I was like, you know, why not Desmond Bain? He's a great three point shooter. That's what this league values. So, plus he's an older guy, he's got more experience. Like, why not? Let's throw ten bucks. Go frogs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with that logic. And based off injuries and COVID protocols, he's gotten a lot more minutes this season than I would have anticipated. For sure. Yeah, because John Morant is still out for another three weeks. Yeah, he'll take he'll. Uh... Give him all those minutes. And then another thing about the NBA that has really been in the recent news is everything with COVID postponements. And I find that kind of ironic because last season during the bubble, the NBA was by far the best league at handling COVID and handling the whole pandemic. They figured it out better than anybody else and quicker than anybody else. But now it seems like this season, they're the only league that's really having day-in and day-out issues. Well, I wouldn't say they're the only league. If you remember back to the summer, MLB had their f- more than fair share of problems with COVID. I mean, there's that's a true. point where that's you true. wondered if they could even – they had to cancel the season because the Cardinals couldn't even play a game. But uh, I, I saw this coming. There's no way they could have done the bubble again. That was a one-hit wonder. I mean, it was the best play that Adam Silver could have made. But also, too, I mean, if you're going to play outside of a bubble, then shit like this is just going to happen. I mean, this that's just pretty much like the world we live in right now with COVID and all that. So I could see yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't. And there's always a lot of road bumps with stuff like this, too. Like, NFL had a lot of road bumps early on in the season. They got better. Um same thing with the MLB. So I think the NBA will kind of figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, yeah, maybe I'm just being a little bit too harsh on them right now. But I think if they do go to the playoffs, then a bubble might be the move again because they did it so well last time. I could see them doing a playoff bubble again. But for the regular season, I think uh, they're probably going to keep it like that because they don't want to stick play- – players don't want to be stuck in a bubble for you know the next six months. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, proven by all the, you know, the Atlantic City wings and stuff that Lou Williams was getting. <laughs> that was a, that was a baller move. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, you can't hate on him for that. Honestly. Yeah, he's like, oh, I was just picking up food. Yeah, dude, from a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they got them good wings, bro. Dwayne Haskins has a few. It things just definitely to say doesn't help, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's a. But it definitely doesn't help whenever players. I mean, like that video of James Harden went pretty viral of him at at a strip club too on Instagram stories. So it definitely doesn't help when players are out doing shit like that. So hopefully, it's not so much the league that's mishandling it. Hopefully, it's the players and they'll just get their shit together. I think so. I think they'll finally just remember that uh, that they have millions of dollars on the line for the season to continue, and they'll they'll get their shit together. I mean, when there's yeah, when there's money out there, people that that much money, people usually tend to get their head straight. So. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, this has been an interesting experience recording our first ever podcast. We hope, uh, yeah, we hope that it wasn't too spotty or too scratchy, and we'll definitely work on things to get better for next time. But this is an introduction to going the distance sports. Follow us both on. I am Ryan Bonnell. I'm Elijah Span. Follow us both on Twitter, Instagram. Um, when the website goes up. Hit up our website. Yeah, we'll have all the socials and everything like that linked on the website. But if you don't want to click buttons, my Twitter is at RyanBunnell8, at R-Y-A-N-B-U-N-N-E-L-L-8. And then yeah, Elijah. mine's just at Elijah Span. So just tell us what you think. And uh, yeah, I'm not afraid of feedback. Give us some talking points for next episode. We'll probably do this about once, maybe twice a week. Maybe more often, I don't know, With uh, now that we can do it remotely, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And also another thing is going to be once we get more on a routine, we'll definitely have better timing, better like transitions of topics, things like that. But this, this episode is really just to lay everything out and show you guys what kind of stuff we're going to be talking about, the content that we like to cover, and everything like yeah. that. Just bear with us. Good things are bound to come all right thanks everybody